Welcome to the Staying Ageless Podcast, a show that will equip you with major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Associate E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we'll be talking about how to heal PCOS naturally. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys a brief explanation of what PCOS is and how it affects women's bodies. And later, we'll be chatting with our expert for today, the amazing Vivian Allred, to learn how to heal PCOS naturally. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Today on the show, I'll be talking about PCOS, but before I get all the way into it, I want to share an amazing testimonial from one of my clients who achieved hormonal balance working with us that made my day recently. Um, come to find out my fibroid shrunk to a 1.5. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> um, I was so happy and grateful to God and Asosa and, you know, just her program really outside of my fibroid shrinking. I am off of chicken, so I don't do meat. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> um, and I don't do dairy. Don't, you know, we don't do that anymore. Um. And my weight is steadily at 101 pounds as of today. So my weight did go up. Um, So I'm really happy with, you know, with my results. I'm really grateful to, you know, to God and to to um ASOS and her her raw girl program and I highly 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 recommend you, you sign up for raw girl you won't regret it many have heard about PCOS and some people are like what's that well PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome it's a hormonal disorder it's common among women of reproductive age and it basically women with PCOS may have infrequent or prolonged menstrual periods or excess male hormone um, or androgen levels. And it's not that simplistic, again, because PCOS actually presents in many different aspects, and I'll try to explain um, some of that. The ovaries basically develop numerous small collections of fluid or follicles and fail to regularly release eggs, which is what's causing those um, symptoms of, of infrequent or prolonged periods. Let me break it down a little bit further. PCOS develops when your ovaries or adrenal glands produce more male hormones than they're supposed to and lower than normal levels of estrogen. This causes symptoms like irregular periods or no periods and sometimes debilitating pain during your actual cycle. PCOS symptoms usually develop around the time of the first menstrual period during puberty, but sometimes PCOS actually develops later. Uh, for example, in response to substantial weight gain, sometimes in response to hormonal medications that are prescribed, sometimes in response to poor diet or excess uh, diet that triggers the production of excess androgens. I've seen that in a lot of my clients. The signs and the symptoms of PCOS vary. However, when you experience at least two of these signs, a diagnosis of PCOS is usually made. So infrequent, irregular, or prolonged menstrual cycles are one of the most common signs of PCOS. Some some of the women who have PCOS in our Hormonal Balancing Academy um, have not had their periods for years, um, and they might have even started in puberty not having their periods. Generally speaking, you're going to have um, excess androgens and the elevated levels of male hormones may result in physical signs such as extra body hair on the face, belly, chest, or around the nipples. Acne is another thing that happens with women with PCOS on the face, back, or chest. And a lot of times also women with PCOS also have issues with their hair. So there can be thinning in the middle of their head, almost like male pattern baldness. It's also, though, possible, this is where it gets a little confusing because you're like, wait, what? It's possible for women with PCOS to actually have excess estrogen levels too, or an imbalance of estrogen to progesterone, because I've seen clients with PCOS also develop fibroids. And so it's possible for you to have both symptoms and signs of PCOS and um, 
some symptoms and signs that may look like estrogen dominance, like fibroids. Um, polycystic ovaries are another common sign. Your ovaries might be enlarged and contain the follicles that surround the eggs, and then the ovaries then fail to function regularly. Other symptoms can include things like skin changes, mood swings, anxiety, depression, fatigue, sleep problems, insomnia, weight gain. And women with PCOS often have thyroid dysregulation as well, but it's not, again, PCOS can present so differently in different people. So it's important for you to, if you think you might have it, or if you're experiencing some of these, it's important for you to have a holistic practitioner or at least your doctor try to look at these different symptoms, constellation of symptoms, and see whether or not you might have PCOS. And the worse your hormonal imbalance is, usually the more PCOS symptoms you're going to have. But it does, again, need to be approached as a constellation of symptoms. So it's like, let me figure out what my version of PCOS is, if that's something that's happening to you. To resolve it, what we have to do is look at each woman individually. We have to see what her specific symptoms are, tailor the diet, supplements, and natural therapies to correct the imbalance and provide the relief. And it's also really important, um, and this is what we do in our initial consults, is to get to the root cause of how this imbalance started in the first place. Again, some people may have had diet things that triggered it. Some people may just have some genetic things, maybe. Uh, Some people may have had a prescription for specific hormonal medication that triggered it. Whatever it is, we have to get to the bottom of it so that we can understand how to approach it. Untreated PCOS can have many adverse effects, some of which are infertility, gestational diabetes or pregnancy-induced high blood pressure, miscarriage or premature birth, liver inflammation um, or fat accumulation in the liver, type 2 diabetes or prediabetes, sleep apnea, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, abnormal uterine bleeding, um, cancer of the uterine lining or endometrial cancer. The good news is there are many women who actually have recovered from PCOS. We actually have had in our Hormonal Balancing Academy now two women who have not had periods for years get their cycle within months of working with us and another struggling with fertility actually fall pregnant. So it is possible to address PCOS holistically using diet, supplementation, and lifestyle changes And my guest today is a living example. I'm super excited to chat with her. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to chat with our amazing guest. I am super excited to announce the launch of the new destination I created for online programs called Staying Ageless University. At Staying Ageless University, we create epic content to teach you about holistic wellness, and transformational healing programs to help you achieve extraordinary longevity. We believe that learning is an essential component of healing and creating lasting change, and every one of our programs are created from protocols that I have tried and tested on clients who have achieved optimal wellness by following them. Our signature programs include Staying Ageless 30 Plus, which is designed to help women 30 plus interested in staying fly till you're 99 or close to it, create lasting healthy rituals, and the all-new Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy for women suffering with fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, or menopausal symptoms if you're ready to use holistic means to take control of your hormones and get your life back. We also have two new programs that are amazing for New Year's clean starts, Detox Your Life, which includes 30-day plant-based detox, either raw or vegan, and candida and parasites be gone for those who are ready to kick candida overgrowth or parasites to the curb for good. Enrollment is now open for three of our programs and we officially launched January 1st, 2021. You can learn more about us and our program offerings at stayingagelessuniversity.com. Hope to see you in class. When I lived in LA, I was at the beach all of the time. (laughs) The beach was my happy place. After going to the beach, I would always stop by this amazing raw food restaurant. They had the most delicious food, burritos, cinnamon rolls. I was obsessed. Fast forward to this year when I wanted to give myself a jumpstart on raw, 
I discovered that this amazing restaurant that I used to frequent had transitioned to nationwide delivery of fully prepared raw meals. It's called Raw Revolution, and for 20 years, they've been serving the finest and most vibrant living foods meals. They offer a raw box, which includes two fresh pressed juices, four gourmet entrees, four generous sides, and two delicious low glycemic desserts. The raw box is designed to provide one person with about four to five days of lunches and dinners. I also love that the menu changes each week, so there's always lots of variety. I get a lot of inquiries from listeners and clients alike who want to go raw and feel like it's not sustainable time-wise. If this is you, this is an amazing solution to get your raw jumpstart. Head on over to rawvolution.com and use the code RAWGIRL to receive a discount on your first purchase. Today's guest is Vivian Allred. Vivian Allred is a UK-based naturopathic nutritional therapist. She studied for three years at the College of Naturopathic Medicine after struggling with her own health issues for many years during early adulthood. These included hair loss, cystic acne, amenorrhea, PCOS, and IBS as a result of mold toxicity, parasitic infections, and Lyme disease. She now works with primarily women struggling with hormonal imbalances and digestive issues, helping them to identify and address the root causes of their health issues. Vivian offers online consultations and support her clients with personalized health protocols. She is passionate about helping as many women as possible overcome their health issues, and she is dedicated to sharing regular content, including weekly blog posts, newsletters, and episodes on her podcast, Hormones in Harmony, plus daily education, inspiration, and Q&As on her Instagram page. Hi, Vivian. I'm so excited to have you on Staying Ageless. Hello. It's good to chat with you again. Yes, I'm really excited about this. (laughs) One, because I feel like we have common, I feel like we've had, we have common things in common. Like we both, I had acne issues, okay, that I overcame myself. And I also went through my own crazy healing journey before becoming a practitioner. And I feel like you did too. So I guess I want to get first off, I want to know a little bit more about your health journey and then what led you to actually going to study clinical nutrition. And all things have popped up along the way. So I'll give you kind of the condensed version. Otherwise, it would take the full 30 minutes to get through. But I always said um, as a child, I was pretty healthy. But then looking back, now that I know what I know, little symptoms here and there, like nosebleeds, car sickness, stomach aches, every now and again. Like I wasn't sick and I wasn't on a ton of medications, thank God. Like tons of people are on antibiotics. They're given like candy these days. I was on like maybe two to three rounds of antibiotics. So very minimal, pretty healthy diet. And it wasn't until I was about 17 that I'd left school and I'd gone from playing a lot of sports and being quite active at school to leaving and pretty much doing nothing at all. And I did feel a little bit self-conscious. I felt like I wasn't as fit or active as I used to be. So I joined the gym, um, which was like five minutes from my house. So I'd come home from college at that point and then go to the gym and it actually made me feel better because I was moving my body I was losing a little bit of weight and I started to get a lot of compliments and that really fueled the obsession with the gym so it turned from like a couple of days a week like an hour class to pretty much every day back-to-back classes I have a bit of an obsessive personality so when I get interested in something and I and I'm good at something I really go for it and then um yeah got got pretty lean, like visible abs, felt great, um, started to change my diet as well, not to support the weight loss, just cleaning up my diet. But I was quite significantly under eating, but not intentionally. Mm-hmm. I was just swapping everything to like low calorie, mm-hmm. low carb, low fat versions, which are just um, even worse for your health in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And I lost my period. That was like the first symptom. And from that point, I had regular cycles from the age of 14, no issues at all. My skin had always been clear. And then I started to break out in cystic acne and my hair started falling out as well. Oh my! I wasn't really concerned about the period loss. Like to me, that wasn't really a problem because being a teenage girl, you don't really know the benefits of a healthy menstrual cycle. But for me, it was the physical appearance things because I'd never had to deal with any of that. When all my friends were breaking out at school, I thought I'd gotten away with it. And then just as theirs was clearing up, um, then my like really bad skin and her loss started. So I went to the doctor, was diagnosed with PCOS, which I know we're going to talk about today, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And my two options, they said, was to go on the pill, which would 
fix everything. It would bring my period back and it would clear up my skin and stop my hair from shedding. So obviously I jumped at that because the other alternative was to just wait and see what happens, they said. Wow. Which if they wasn't going to give me any recommendations, they didn't once ask what I was eating, how stressed I was, what type of movement I was doing. Because I looked young and pretty healthy and I had no medical kind of history, they didn't really question me anymore. So I jumped at the chance to go on the pill had a really bad reaction to the first one where all of my symptoms got 10 times worse. So then I swapped over to another common one called Yasmin and stayed on that for about two years. The symptoms did clear up. So my period, even though it wasn't a real period, now that I know, it's just a withdrawal bleed from the medication. So I was having a monthly bleed. My skin did clear up very well, um, but my hair stopped shedding. However, it never grew. Literally in two years, I think I had like two hair cuts. I never had to shave my legs which was a little bit odd. But again, just because my skin was clear, that's all that mattered, Hmm. in my opinion. But then that was around the age of 1920. I started to get all of these other symptoms creeping in, like anxiety, food sensitivities, nutrient deficiencies that I'd never had before. And around the age of 19, I went to work in the US. I went to work in a summer camp in Pennsylvania um, as like a yoga and fitness instructor. And that was the, the, the summer that I got... Um, even more sick. So I got food poisoning twice. And just with the long hours of working out in like 100 degree heat, it was just very intense. And I'm still trying to eat healthily. Um, But a a kid's summer camp, I don't know if you've ever attended one or anyone listening, the food is pretty terrible. So it's hard (laughs) to avoid pizza and pasta and all of that stuff. Um, So I was pretty much fueling myself on oatmeal, salads, chicken for the whole summer doing like nine hours work a day. And then I got home, like pretty much crashed. Digestion was absolutely terrible, bloated, reacting to everything. I, at that point, went to see a nutritional therapist myself. I'd never really heard of one before. I just thought they were the same as dietitians, where it was just to help you lose weight or whatever. But she told me about the negative effects of the birth control pill and how they were probably suppressing my actual hormone imbalances. And then she did stool testing, found that I had parasites and bacterial overgrowths, yeast overgrowths. My thyroid was stressed. I had tons of deficiencies. Like all of these new terms came into my life. And then again, being the the person that I am, I just go deep into the research. And it really inspired me to go and study myself because at that point I wasn't getting any answers. When I when I suggest coming off the pill to my doctor, he would like just freak out and say that there's no alternatives and that I'm making a huge mistake and that there's a risk of pregnancy and all of that. Um, so I thought that I would study just to learn more about the the body and ultimately healed myself from all of these things. But along the way, finding for myself big, they're not something to jump straight into. um, But when symptoms are chronic, like they were with me and coming off the pill and healing my gut didn't fix things fully until the past couple of years. And I'm 26 now for reference. For me, I think Lyme disease, which I contracted whilst I was in Pennsylvania and New York for that summer from either a tick bite or a mosquito and toxic mold exposure from my childhood home that I was living in that whole time. I think those things were the main stressors and causes of inflammation in my body. And all of the other things were just the the straw that brought the camels back. Mm. So my story was a little bit complex. And I I think you said as well, you feel like you've dealt with every (laughs) symptom out there and you're like, okay, universe or whoever, like stop. I don't need any more (laughs) education or experience. I'm good. But I safely say now, like over the past 10 years, I'm the healthiest that I've ever been. I've learned so much. And now this is why I help other people work through some of these things. And yeah, PCOS is a symptom of something deeper. So that was my initial diagnosis. But now I'm I'm living PCOS free. And Mm. I totally believe that it's possible once you figure out what your unique triggers are, because it's no one size fits all, like with any condition. But you can absolutely live without it as long as you keep the symptoms manage you can't cure it you can't change your genetics but you can absolutely live free of the acne hair loss facial hair growth and some of the other symptoms that come along wow i mean that's epic so you you talked about your specific symptoms and i've had clients with those specific symptoms and you talked about the fact that there are different types of pcos let's get into that part because that's the part that has been so challenging as a practitioner you know, I like to systemize things. I like to be like, this is how I approach this. I do it. It gives me an outcome. I get really excited. 
But with PCOS, I can't do that, I realized, because there's so many different types. Someone might present with more insulin resistance. Someone might present, I had someone present more with Hashimoto's type thing. I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is a lot. So can you break down, I guess, the types that you've discovered? And uh, we'll just start there. What are the types? Yeah, in conventional medicine, they very much believe it's a um, insulin resistance, obesity, um, bad diet type of condition, which for me, if I was to follow the advice that they were giving for all PCOS, like a blanket statement, it would be to eat less food. I was already eating probably 1200 calories. So that's not going to help. Um, do more exercise. I was working out. I couldn't work out anymore unless right. I wanted to be like an athlete and right. eat lower carb. I was already doing that and that would just stress my thyroid and make things worse in the long run. Um, so that was the conventional approach. In more of the natural, holistic, functional world, I didn't coin these terms, but um, other practitioners like Dr. Laura Bryden has categorized PCOS into four different categories, but you can be a part of all of them or just one like they can overlap yeah so the first one is um, insulin resistance this is the most well-known one around 60 percent of women with pcos have some degree of insulin resistance there's obviously people who are very obese who are borderline or full-blown diabetic type 2 diabetic and they're very obviously insulin resistant like the blood glucose is through the roof the fasting insulin is high the hba1c is elevated they're the ones who doctors really kind of catch and they see um, in the in the practice and they immediately can tell that it's PCOS. But you can still have insulin resistance and be lean. So this yeah. is where it gets a little bit confusing. Yeah. I had some degree of insulin resistance as well, but it wasn't the main the main factor. And basically with insulin resistance, it's when the cells have lost the ability to process or use glucose correctly. Um, it can be for a different like number of different reasons, like the, the cell membrane can be affected with the types of fats that you're eating, um, nutrients, particular nutrients are needed, like chromium for that process to happen and the, the glucose to move from the bloodstream into the cell to give us energy. Sleep deprivation or insomnia can contribute to that as well. So it's not just about the carbs that you eat, but if you're eating a ton of refined, simple processed carbs, then reducing that regardless of which type of PCOS you have or just for general health is recommended, like cutting out the junk food. But most of the clients that I see are already coming to me eating really clean, healthy diets. So that just shows that it's not the food that's the issue. Other things can drive insulin resistance. Even having too many bad bacteria in the gut, some of these bacteria produce a toxin called LPS, and that can drive insulin resistance and metabolic disease as well. So that one is the most common. Other signs of insulin resistance might be that you crave sugar, you have kind of diabetes-like symptoms, excessive thirst, excessive urination, you can get skin tags, um, you could be overweight, you can just be carrying extra weight around the midsection, that tends to be um, a pattern, and sometimes like darkening patches of the skin, it's called acanthosis nigricans, um, they tend to be the most common ones, or like fatigue after eating a lot of carbs, or after you've had a big lunch, you're sleepy, you're tired. That could be a sign that your body isn't actually processing the glucose properly. So that would be the first one, insulin-resistant type. Second one that I see commonly but is not recognized well by conventional doctors is an adrenal-type PCOS, which is very much driven by stress. But when I say stress, that's not just mental and emotional. You have like an acronym, I can't remember what it is, but like chemical stress, emotional stress, physical stress can be a ton of different things. So people say either that they they don't acknowledge that they do have emotional stress and they hit the job and that is playing a role um or they actually don't the the live in a chill lifestyle and you you say how's your stress and they say it's fine but they have bacterial overgrowth so they're eating foods that they're sensitive to or they're drinking too much caffeine they're exposed to toxic mercury or air pollution that is a stress in itself and that one can be characterized by elevated levels of DHEAS, which mm-hmm. is an adrenal androgen. So that one, that androgen specifically comes from the adrenal glands. So when it's high, we absolutely know it's stress-driven. Whereas other androgens that can be high with PCOS, like testosterone, can come from things like fat tissue, the adrenals, or the ovaries. So they can be driven by a little bit of everything, stress or insulin resistance. Um, so if the DHEAS is elevated, it's absolutely stress-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, some other symptoms, if you think of any classic like adrenal or stress symptoms, so it would be feeling wired but tired, 
jaw and teeth clenching and grinding, insomnia, 3 to 4 p.m. slumps, just fatigue in general, um, tension in the body, racing thoughts. These are some of the other ones that you can experience. That would be adrenal type 2 PCOS. The third one would be pulsed pill PCOS. I think that I had a little bit of this as well, and a lot of women do. So I have so many women now, I work with some fertility clients as well, who come to me at age like 35. They've come off the pill at age 33. They've not had a period since. And all of a sudden, they've been diagnosed with PCOS. And I asked them how their period was from age like 13 to 20 before they went on the pill. And they said, absolutely perfect, like regular no acne, no symptoms at all that could indicate PCOS. So that makes me suspicious that it's not a true PCOS state because usually that manifests in teenage years in puberty. Yes. Whereas in their case, they're more likely dealing with a temporary hormone imbalance because of the the different imbalances that the pill caused. Yes. The pill actually makes all drivers of PCOS worse. It makes you more insulin resistant. It makes you more inflamed. It affects your thyroid. It depletes the very key nutrients you need for ovulation and blood sugar balance and optimal fertility. So going on the pill or being prescribed the pill for PCOS is one of the worst things, in my opinion. There's a time and a place for conventional medication. I'm not against it, but I wish people knew, not just about the slight increased risk of breast cancer and blood clots, like many of us are told, but all of this other stuff like there's a chance that your periods might not return for two years afterwards, or your fertility might be disrupted in the long run, or you might develop IBS and hair loss as a result of being on this medication. And then if someone chooses to accept that and look out for symptoms and just be aware, then I think that's that's how it should be. Mm. Um, but with the pulse pill, the whole time that you're on the birth control pill or any hormonal contraceptives, your brain to ovary communication is pretty much shut down. And your own natural hormones are on flatline. You're just being run on synthetic hormones throughout the whole month. And if you go on the pill within just a few years of starting your period for the first time, let's say age 14, you go on the pill at 15, your brain and ovaries haven't even had a a good number of years to start really communicating and getting the ovulation on track. And it is normal for the first few years to be a little bit symptomatic and you're not ovulating during that time. That's normal. There's some um, science to say that it takes seven years for that to really solidify that brain to ovary communication. So if you then go on the pill two years, three years in, you've halted, you've paused, you press wow. pause on that communication so that when you stop the pill in your 30s, that has to then re reconnect. And you also have to re- repair the damage that's been done on yes. the pill as well. And the pills that people are put on, especially ones like I was on like Yasmin, that are very good at clearing up acne because they literally shrink your oil glands and like really suppress your your androgens. But because your androgens and your hormones are so suppressed whilst you're on it, as soon as you stop taking it, your body will start kicking out and spitting out a ton of excess hormones. So it goes in a bit of overdrive because it's been so shut down for that long. It starts going crazy and pumping out a ton of testosterone. So it's just like the body is trying to get used to it again, but then people get diagnosed with PCOS. And then they get sent down, unfortunately, like fertility, IVF clinics and all of that, when it may not be needed. It could just be that you need to support the liver to clear out the excess hormones and yeah. restore the deficiencies and fix the guts because the, the pill is to, believed to be um, kind of like a low-dose antibiotic. And some, people, some women are on it for a good 10, 20 years. I, I was only on it two years and it caused a hell of a lot of damage. Um, but yeah, it can have antibiotic-like effects. So gut health is often depleted. And when your good bacteria is depleted, then yeast and other opportunistic parasites and things can take over. And that's how you can end up with more more issues, not just the hormone imbalance. And then the final cause of PCOS tends to be more of like a inflammatory, that's known as like a hidden cause. And this is where thyroid issues can fall into. And things like toxic mold exposure and heavy metals and past, uh, environmental toxins, endocrine disrupting chemicals. So I'll I'll just touch on each of those. They're like the main ones. So with thyroid, a lot of the symptoms of PCOS can actually be driven by just the thyroid issue. Yes, I've seen that. And 25% of women with PCOS actually have a thyroid issue alongside. So not ovulating and having irregular cycles can just be because of a thyroid issue, as can skin issues like acne, hair loss, um, weight gain. 
So it's very important to, to double check and rule in or rule out a thyroid issue because it's a whole separate kind of similar things help. But sometimes you need a medication and you're not going to get better unless your thyroid is optimal. And making sure that a full thyroid panel is done because most of them just do a TSH. That's not enough to assess a full thyroid function. So it would be TSH, free T4, free T3, and then the thyroid antibodies as well. Because um, Hashimoto's is very common in women with PCOS. It's kind of a chicken or egg situation. But I, I believe that the thyroid issue tends to come first. So the, the metabolism needs to be addressed. Um, and if it's not, then the sex hormones like estrogen or estrogen, progesterone, testosterone start to go out of whack. Um, and yeah, thyroid issues often stem from the gut with things like H. pylori and parasites and this leaky gut intestinal permeability. Environmental toxins, so heavy metals, um, endocrine disruptors from plastics, parabens from skincare can enter the body and mimic estrogen in the system. So the, the body can either up or downregulate own natural production from that. And they are linked to things like infertility and immune system problems as well. But for me, I think the mold exposure just caused so much inflammation in my body. Mm. It made me insulin resistant. So it, it caused all of the, the drive, the main drivers of PCOS, which are insulin and blood sugar issues, inflammation and chronic stress. Wow. The mold, the, the toxic air that I was breathing in on a daily basis was it was suppressing my brain parts of my brain were like on shutdown so the brain wasn't sending my ovaries messages to ovulate wow the, the last year or so of living in my previous home which was my childhood home I wasn't ovulating despite doing everything I was like a hormone practitioner wow. and I'd been a nutritionist for a good number of years I was doing literally everything spending hundreds of pounds on supplements every month doing seed cycling um, managing my stress everything healed my gut 50 times and it still wasn't working and it was because the foundations of health clean air clean water and clean food I, I was doing the other two I was filtering my water I was eating organic I was spending a ton of money on all of that stuff but the air that I was breathing was toxic that was suppressing my brain it was telling my body that there was something something dangerous in the environment mm, which can mm, be mm. back in the day us thinking that there's some sort of saber-toothed tiger trying to eat us and kill us. Um, same thing, it was just the air that I was breathing. So stress can be from many different sources, um, but it's not something to dive right into. I'd done everything before, but there are, I know we're going to do a part two on mold exposure because it's like a whole, a whole thing in itself. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, I feel like the mold illness either caused my PCOS or massively contributed um, and know that the mold has been addressed. That's part of the reason that I'm symptom free. Wow. Um, I've done other things along the way. But um, yeah, the, the last one of the inflammatory PCOS is very overlooked. Um, but yeah, an important one that doctors would never rec recognize if you were to go to them and talk about heavy metals and things like that, they would just have no idea, unfortunately. Right. So about. would you put gut inflammation in the inflammation category? Yes, but it can also drive um, it can also be part of the insulin resistant picture. Okay. And well, all of them. All of um, them. It can cause yeah. adrenal stress. Having a parasite or a significant candida overgrowth can cause adrenal stress. It can cause issues with recovering from the birth control pill. And it can just be a huge stress in itself. So any hormonal symptom, whether it's just PMS or infertility or endometriosis or PCOS or acne, um, the gut needs to be addressed. And it's a significant factor for the majority of my clients. Okay. So, I mean, you just gave us an entire textbook worth of <laughs> understanding on PCOS, but you know, when you earlier were talking about how Western medicine approaches it, it just sounds, there's like such a lack of nuance considering all of those things you just talked about. So it's kind of like, you know, I think you alluded to some of the things that you would be prescribed Western medicine side, are there natural things that we can use then to address this or even adjunct therapies that would be also helpful? I do have, so the conventional treatment would be the birth control pill is kind of like the cure-all <laughs> yes. um, from Western medicine, unfortunately, yeah, women's unfortunately. health. Um, and then other things like metformin might be used. Sometimes they prescribe metformin even without checking glucose levels or insulin Yikes. and I have some people and it's dropping their blood sugar way too low because they're lean but doctors think oh you have PCOS you must have insulin issues when they don't 
So just be mindful of that. Um, another drug called spironolactone can be used to manage androgen levels. And then for the other symptoms that can pop up, like acne, roaccutane, uh, antibiotic creams and things like that. So you can see how you just end up on like a million different things when the root causes just haven't been addressed. Yeah. So I do have a blog post. I can send you the link to this on the medications, a little bit more about what they're doing and the kind of mechanism of action and then natural alternatives. Definitely speak to your doctor and don't just go taking these these ones. Yeah. Um, and again, there's a time and a place. And I've put some benefits of things like metformin because that's not the worst one in the world. There is yeah. actually some benefits behind it. But interestingly, um, a huge mechanism with metformin and how it improves PCOS because it, it has been shown a lot of the time to improve ovulation rates and fertility and things. But the way that it's working is mainly on the gut bacteria. Mm. So why not just work on that naturally and right. not get the like gastrointestinal symptoms and B12 deficiencies that can come alongside. So I've put some kind of nutrients like inositol has been studied and chromium yeah. can be good. Zinc can help to ovulate and have good egg health and skin health. So that's a great blog post. But I'll just give you kind of my basics for hormone health in general. And these all come into play, whether it is PCOS or endometriosis or whatever. Um, so movement is really important, but really Goldilocks with exercise. So not enough, then like working at a, a desk job and not moving your body isn't great because you're not getting kind of the lymphatic benefits, the blood flow. Um, and you need exercise, particularly strength training I'm a fan of for PCOS because building that muscle is going to help regulate blood sugar and insulin levels a lot better. It's going to improve your metabolic rate, your bone health in the future. So my two top tips for exercise is walking. That's very underrated. Like 10,000 steps, like great. It's a suitable one for pretty much anyone and like whatever symptom that you're dealing with. Everyone can get out, especially if you go outside, you're getting extra benefits from vitamin D and fresh air. Um, so walking and strength training are great. And even working with your menstrual cycle, if you have a regular menstrual cycle, so the week before and the week of your period, energy levels are naturally going to be a little bit lower. So using that time to kind of take it easier, have more rests if you're doing strength training, um, maybe limit your workouts to 30 minutes, whereas the rest of the cycle after your period and ovulation, you can push it a little bit harder and do more intense kind of sweaty workouts during that time. Um, cleaning up your environment, so filtering your water so that it's not got residues of antibiotics and birth control pills in there and toxic lead and all of these things. Fluoride is a big one, um, can be an acne trigger as well. And the products that you're using on your face, on your body, some of that can enter the bloodstream and, again, mimic estrogen levels and disrupt our hormone regulation. And that can take a while to kind of um, swap everything out. Like I don't expect people to completely overhaul their life and throw everything away and buy fresh. But next time you need a new moisturizer, choosing the more natural organic version. So yeah. deodorants, like what you're storing your food in, what you're um, using in terms of pots and pans, are they non-stick and covered in Teflon, which is a, um, that can off gas into the food and just be another stress into the system. But you can't be perfect but that's why you have to clean up your home environment because then if you then go out into the city or go out to eat at a restaurant, you can't control that. So we have to be kind of a little bit 80, 20, mm -hmm. um, but doing nothing is obviously not helping either. So doing what you can the majority of the time, balancing your blood sugar is important for everyone, but particularly with PCOS. Mm -hmm. um, so you might not have insulin resistance, but you could still have blood sugar issues so to me that's eating a source of protein carbohydrates and fats at every meal that you're eating not doing crazy fasting or long periods of time without eating even like eating too often and snacking isn't great in my opinion either I think we should get to mm -hmm. more of like a three square meals a day type of approach because then that allows your digestion to process the food between meals lets your blood sugar and insulin come down to a healthy level before you then go in with the next meal um, and yeah, key nutrients that I mentioned before would be things like zinc, um, vitamin A or vitamin A, vitamin D from the sun. Really important just to like help your body function pretty much every single cell in the body. So they would be my top recommendations. Um, environment, sleep as well. We, we can't skip on sleep. Um, extremely important. You could be like eating the best diet in the world, but if you're not sleeping, then you're not going to be healing. Yeah. And I have some people, some clients, I actually tell them to have an extra hour in bed 
than wake up at 5am and go to the gym because that's just kind of backfiring on them and not actually giving them the results that they want. They're just waking up, rushing straight out the door with a coffee, doing like an intense hit or spin class. And then they wonder why they're wired all morning and then they can't kind of um, get off the, off the sofa at mm. three in the afternoon because they've mm. crashed at that point. So um, sleep, ideally between the hours of 10 and 6. For most people, obviously, everyone's a little bit different with work schedules and things. But when the sun sets, we should be asleep. When the sun rises, we should be awake and eating at that time. Try not to eat too late. Give yourself like three hours before bed if you can. Um, and limit screen times before bed. I personally were like red because I, I like to watch TV and things to wind down. Not anything too intense, but just putting on some red light glasses. Um, like red lens glasses that block blue light makes the biggest difference for me. Um, not going on my phone and kind of having an evening routine that just calms me down and switches me off for the day um, means that I can get good good sleep between the hours of 10 and 2. They're the times, they're like the golden hours. They give us the most benefits because that's where our body is healing physically and detoxing, whereas the hours between 2 and 6 a.m. is when the body's healing psychologically. That's mm-hmm. when we tend to dream consolidate memories process information so that chunk of time is really important but um it's not just about how many hours you're sleeping it's about the quality of the sleep as well so i have some people they're in bed for 10 hours but they're in this like surface level sleep the whole night and they still wake up tired so i'd rather someone have six hours in bed but like get to sleep deep sleep the whole time and wake up refreshed than someone like tossing and turning all night um because Sometimes it's what what you do in the in the daytime, like not getting enough sunlight in the morning, not eating breakfast, drinking caffeine Caffeine's past two p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can affect your sleep in the evening. People don't think of that. Love so that would be my it. top top things to focus on. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay, mm-hmm. so I have to ask you one more question, which is um, with progesterone. What is happening with progesterone with most people who have PCOS? So the issue, like chronic, chronically low progesterone, mm-hmm. but why is that happening? It's because they're not ovulating. So it's a, it's a condition of chronic anovulation, so not ovulating. So the only way, little, little amounts are produced from the adrenal glands of progesterone, but the, the most progesterone comes once we ovulate. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. We, we can't ovulate unless we have progesterone and it's kind of feeding into the next cycle as well. So it's getting that ball rolling and figuring out why the person's not ovulating in the first place. And it comes back to all of those things. So having two high levels of blood sugar and insulin, the body is going to be kind of confused. Or if it's got high levels of testosterone for other reasons like not sleeping, stress, then these things just get in the way of like a normal process. And the body thinks, right, this isn't right. My blood sugar's too high. My insulin's too high. I've got too many male hormones in the body. Let's not ovulate because the conditions aren't good this month. So then it's either delayed. Some women with PCOS do ovulate, but it's just very late into the cycle, like day 28, um, 25, 28. And then that delays the period. So the period's day 40 or longer. So that's why it's a, con- a condition with like very varying, mainly longer or absent cycles. And then for some women, um, like myself, because I was so inflamed and my body was so physically stressed and imbalanced, my body just did not ovulate at all. So I wasn't wow. ovulating. I, I wasn't wow. producing progesterone. But progesterone is, that is the cure-all to pretty much all women's health issues, in my opinion, because it's anti-inflammatory. It's anti-anxiety. It helps to reduce PMS. It helps to regulate estrogen and other androgens like testosterone. So part of the reason that women with PCOS break out and have um, skin issues and um, mood issues and all of that is partly because of the fact that they're not producing progesterone. So some people just jump straight to a bioidentical or they're like, I'll I'll just take progesterone or herbs to boost progesterone like Vitex. And again, time and a place. But for me, the body should be able to make the hormone on its own, especially if you're under the age of 35. Levels do start to decline as you rich perimenopausal age but if you're in your 20s early 30s and you're struggling with low progesterone just taking vitex or chase tree berry or like a, a the next like tincture from your practitioner that can help to manage symptoms and give you some relief but still work on these root causes otherwise the issue is still there yeah. and 
if that's left un- unaddressed, then you are at risk of de- developing other things. Because if you still have insulin resistant, you could develop metabolic disease and mm-hmm. and type 2 diabetes down the line. If your adrenals are still stressed out from something, your experience during menopause could be terrible because that's Horrible. really based on how healthy your adrenal glands are. Mm-hmm. If you're severely nutrient deficient, and that's why you're not producing progesterone, then you're probably going to run into other health issues down the line and malnutrition from other aspects as well. So yeah, figure out why it's going on, but you can kind of band-aid short term if needed. Yeah, no, love that. And it it all makes sense to me too, because it's like, okay, progesterone is a precursor for cortisol. So then you see how the whole thing becomes this crazy cycle of like, if you're a stressed out person and then you have these, you know, and high androgens, whatever, whatever, the whole thing can just keep going like this, unless you pinpoint what is the source of my woes, Mm -hmm. address that. And hopefully it sounds like mostly what it needs to be done is, and I'm, I'm the same way because you can treat supplements like drugs and, um, if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. And so it's more of like, let's see how we can support this person's body to remember how to produce this hormone again. Right. Yeah. And I fell into that trap, even as a practitioner for myself, I got to a place where I could manage things. I'd have a regular cycle. My skin was pretty good. But I'd be on like 20 different supplements that cost me like 500 pounds a month. I was like, this isn't normal. Wow. We're, we're definitely going to need supplement support long term. I'm not going to lie, just because the food is so depleted these days and just with the toxic world. So you're probably going to need like two or three um, supplements on rotation just to stay healthy. But you shouldn't need to do what conventional doctors do, is just swapping a drug for a herb. That's still yes. not naturopathic or holistic, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. This has been amazing. Can you tell um, everybody where they can find you online, how they can work with you? Of course. So my website is vivanaturalhealth.co.uk. So that's V-I-V-A, natural health. Same on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And my podcast is Hormones in Harmony, which you've been a guest on. I'm not sure if the episode has been released yet. So (laughs) if it has, it will be on um, maybe summer or fall 2021. Okay. Which was an amazing episode. We covered so many different things. Um, and yeah, I'm hopefully be back for a part two to talk more about mold. Yes, you will be back. Thank you so much. Attention, superfood lovers. You all may know by now that my favorite African superfood of all time is Moringa. Why? Moringa has 92 nutrients and 46 antioxidants, and every part of the amazing plant can be used. I personally use Moringa oil on my face twice a day, and then I also use Moringa powder to add to my smoothies, make Moringa bread, or sprinkle on meals for added nutrition from an amazing company called True Moringa. Founded in 2013, True Moringa is creating jobs and community with their amazing skincare and wellness products. The coolest part? Every time you make a purchase from True Moringa, they plant a tree in your name. Yes, child, to date they have planted over 2 million Moringa trees to combat deforestation and malnutrition in Ghana. To check out their awesome products, visit TrueMoringa.com and use the code RAWGIRL at checkout for 10% off and free shipping over $20. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of TheRawGirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. All right, all right. It's time to take a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you would like to have your question on the show, All you got to do is send me a DM or slide up in my DMs on Instagram at TheRawGirl or contact me via my website, TheRawGirl.com. Today's question is from Beth via Instagram who says, are some people more at risk of infertility than others? And how can I tell if I am? Hi, Beth. Great question. 
You can actually take a look at your family history and see if the women in your family have had a pattern of difficulty conceiving or specific hormonal imbalance. I find a lot that my clients who have fibroids, endometriosis, some other issues with their hormones, once they actually ask their mother, their aunties, their grandmother, they find out that actually there are other women in their family that have similar issues. Just check into the patterns in your family history and see if there's anything there that might give you a red flag that you need to pay more attention to your fertility. Um, You will also be able to note it by the state of your menstrual cycle. So if you're having problems conceiving, you might have infrequent uh, periods, missed periods, no periods at all. Um, Or if you just have a PCOS diagnosis, you definitely will be at risk for infertility. Again, infertility and PCOS incurs in a lot of women. It can wreak havoc on your hormones, bring about unsavory symptoms, but as you have heard hopefully from this episode, there is hope. It can be treated and there are natural remedies and a holistic approach that you can take to address this. I highly encourage everyone who's affected by PCOS today to start considering natural means to take your health back. And if you need support, don't forget, you can sign up for a free 20-minute call with a member of our team to learn more about our Hormonal Balancing Academy. Women who have worked with us have regained their periods in the case of PCOS, shrunk their fibroids, overcome infertility, got rid of painful menstrual cramps and heavy bleeding, and so much more. If you are someone who has been dealing with hormonal imbalance for a really long time and you feel like you've gotten no answers, you've been to doctor after doctor, and you feel like there's nothing else that you can try, remember that Mother Nature always has answers. Consider looking at your diet, looking at the supplements you might be able to take, looking at your lifestyle and getting some support to help you push through that frustration. I can tell you we've had numerous cases that seemed hopeless and it's been so rewarding And so exciting to see people break through and get their healing, um, even when their doctors may have told them that it's not possible. So I'm here to tell you it is possible. And today and this week, I hope that you challenge yourself to take some steps towards your healing. Today, I leave you with a quote from Joyce Meyer. When you're tempted to give up, your breakthrough is probably just around the corner. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question on the show, find me on Instagram at therawgirl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. To watch the interview on video from this and past podcast episodes, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash therawgirl.